Hi, this is Rick Manning, President of Americans for Limited Government. I got the opportunity to spend yesterday on Capitol Hill, and I wanted to give you guys a an update on what I saw and what I think is going on um, and answer a couple of questions, which um, I, I had, and I, I went up there, and I, I think I got answers on them to my satisfaction. So I wanted to just provide you that as well. Um, the first 15 minutes of this is going to be uh, me talking about those four questions and then the last 15 minutes is going to be me answering questions. So if you have questions, um, feel free to put them into the comments and we will uh, and I'll do my best to answer as many as I can. Um, first of all, I want to start by showing you a quick clip from Representative Ken Buck of Colorado, who's been a good friend of Americans for Limited Government for years. Um, and he is talking and he is a McCarthy supporter and he is talking about to CNN about what's going on. This real quick, but I think it's important. My question is about what you just said about the timing of this. You said that by today, you need to see some indication of where this is going to go. Do you think that by today, Kevin McCarthy needs to make that deal or make a decision to move out of the speaker's race? I think at some point today, the, the conference as a whole needs to make a decision. I think what's, what's happening right now is uh, people are getting worn down. You're starting to get uh, uh, some conflict, uh, open conflict on the floor as well as behind closed doors. I think that conflict isn't healthy, and, and I think um, you know the, the moderates are talking uh, about uh, threats that they may uh, work with the Democrats on somebody. Uh, the the twenty uh, are saying that they're not moving no matter what. Um, at some point, people have to realize that, that we've got to choose a speaker and, and move forward. The American people sent us here to get the work done. Great. That is that is exactly what I wanted you to hear, and here's why. There's a couple things in there that. Um, I think are, are interesting. And, and one thing, which is a talking point, which is quite honestly wrong. Um, I'm going to go with the wrong talking point first. And, and it's um, the overall premise of what Ken Buck said is this is really a bad thing. Um, the second part was that McCarthy isn't embedded as being the speaker. There's got to, they've got to come up with an alternative. And that's what he was alluding to when he talked about uh, McCarthy has to do the deal or we have to figure it, something out. And that's the, and so those two things are really, really important. It's why I wanted you to see it. Um, I'm going to answer a few of the questions. First of all, I'm going to go with the first one um, that he kind of brings up. And I'm going to ask this question, isn't this bad? And the answer is, it's really bad for the establishment. It's really bad for those who want an extremely strong speaker and very weak members of Congress on either side of the aisle. Um, it's bad for them because what the actual fight is over is the power of the speakership. That's what the actual fight is over. And so when you're talking about a lot of the, the arcane ideas and things and house rules and all that, I, I think it's important that we, we remember that when you're doing the work of the house, the single most, there's an old saying in politics, the single most important vote in, in, in politics is the first one you make as to who's going to be speaker or who's going to be the majority leader or who, that vote, okay, is the single most important vote. And for years, conservatives have been told we have to vote for, for people we don't like very much because the single most important vote is the one for speaker. And after all, you've got to have a, a Republican speaker. Well, these guys who are standing up and saying no are saying this is the most important vote we make. And unless and it includes a vote on how the House of Representatives is going to be run. And if the House of Representatives is going to be run with the same autocratic rules 
that have allowed omnibuses to be negotiated by four people in the House of Representatives, the Speaker, the Minority Leader, the and the Appropriations Chairman and the Appropriations Ranking Member. If we're going to continue to have massive spending bills crammed down people's votes and the only the only vote that members rank and file members have is not on amendments it's not on it's not on trying to make certain that priorities are met it's yes or no and the threat on the no is oh we're going to shut down the government and so the coercion is always on the side of yes and hence you elect 435 members of the House of Representatives, only four of them are involved in the negotiations to get that done, to get the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill done, four. Now, you know, there, there's some things in terms of, oh, we've got to get 40 defense hawks. And so we're going to increase the defense budget by $25 billion. And, you know, and Pelosi might say, well, I've got to get 40 um, social, you know, radical communist socialists to uh, to vote for this. So I've got to have 40 billion dollars more for uh, for social welfare um, programs designed to um, increase the dependency on America on government. That might happen. But ultimately, the decision is being made in terms of what the yes or no vote is on what's going to shut down the government or not by four people in the House. And these 20 members are sick of it. And quite honestly, a vast majority of the members are sick of it. And while they might have not have the guts to stand up and say that McCarthy that and demand that McCarthy make rules changes to make sure that doesn't happen, these 20 are taking that burden on. And the fact of the matter is. We can't cut the size and scope of government with the autocratic speaker system that we have right now. We can't actually amend the funding bills. We can't change it. We cannot win a limited government battle against the establishment that controls the spending patterns under the threat of we're going to shut down the government and everything's going to go to hell. So, yeah, they're fighting. So individual members of Congress and you who elected them actually have a say on how the, how the money's going to be spent. What a concept that 435 members, that every member that will have a say, rather than just four in the House. That's the truth. Okay, that's just the truth. So yeah, Ken, I, I love Ken Buck. He's a great guy. Um, but, you know, I'm going to deal with the second issue here. Second issue is, aren't you not getting to the business of the House? Now, this is the business of the House. It's the most important business of the House because it sets up the next two years of how the House is going to operate. So they are doing the business of the House. And, oh, by the way, are they wasting time? No. The first week are all about having parties. They're all about, you know, swearing in ceremonies and having uh, having family there and celebrating. Oh, boy, I'm now a member of Congress. It's open houses at their, at their various uh, uh, House offices hiring staff, having new, having congressmen and new staff, people figure out where the bathrooms are, where the committee rooms are. Um, all that stuff happens in the first week. It's not the business of the House. It's an acclamation. There's no better acclamation the House of Representatives than have a fight over rules and how the place can be run. Because what ends up happening when you have a fight over rules and how the place can be run, people become educated on the rules and how the place is going to be run. 
This is the greatest education for new members of Congress that you will ever receive. And truthfully, it's a great education for standing, existing pre people who had been members in the past on how the how the House is run and why rules are. So let's just be clear. This is a cram course on why rules matter and what rules are having a negative impact. I will point out that during that in August, the House Freedom Caucus sent out a proposed rules package for the House rules to every nominee, Republican nominee. And they, they sent that out to every Republican nominee saying, you know, the House rules matter and this is why it matters. And every Republican nominee got that. And so they got the opportunity to find out about House rules in August. The House Minority Leadership never sent that out. In fact, they were really mad that that was done. They were really mad that that was done because the power of the, of the leadership who's bringing people in is they know the rules and the people coming in don't. And so the House, House Freedom Caucus put out a very impressive package. I Unfortunately, it was in my car and this weekend I got rid of it. So bad timing by me, but um, it was a very impressive package of what rules changes needed to be done. And that was sent to every member, including Kevin McCarthy. So there are no secrets here. There's no secrets here. This is something that, the, that Kevin McCarthy's known about since at least April. And the conversation has been happening with Kevin McCarthy since April. So the truth is, Kevin McCarthy knew he didn't have the votes. He didn't have 218. There is only one rule the overriding rule for the House of Representatives is if you have 218 votes, you can do anything. And if you don't have them, you can't do anything. Okay, that's the rule. It's rule 218. It governs everything in the House. Kevin McCarthy doesn't have 218. If he doesn't have 218 to elect himself speaker, how's he going to get 218 on anything else? The answer is probably won't. Kevin McCarthy has been in leadership for 10 years or so. He's been a majority whip. He's been putting 218 together um, for his whole, you know, for every bit of time he was in the majority. He knows the rule of 218. And so instead he said, I'm going to run, I'm going to nominate, I'm going to get nominated. I'm going to push. And even though I don't have 218, I'm going to try to coerce people and, and bully them into voting for me. And if there had been five voting against him, he would have been able to, but because there's 20, he can't. And that's what Ken Buck's alluding to. If you can't, if you can't get to 218, we got to find somebody who can. And based on my conversations yesterday, I believe that they have a pathway to find somebody who can. There is a plan B. I'm not gonna, I can't name names here because that that would be unfair, but I can tell you that, that I feel confident that there is a pathway for somebody to get to 218 who is a who is a, a Republican and is very well respected and and it's and so there is a way for the house republicans to get to 218. and i'm not talking donald trump i'm not talking anything like that i'm talking about um but i do think there's there there are multiple pathways to 218 as a matter of fact so 
given that, the only thing that's standing in the way of getting to 218 is McCarthy. Because McCarthy hasn't told, hasn't said, gee whiz, uh, you need to find another answer. Because I apparently am not it. And because, you know, and I, I actually like him. Um, I, I know a lot of people around him um, and people who he grew up with politically, I know. And, and so I actually, I, I like him. Um, I thought he would have been a far better speaker than Paul Ryan. Um, but he doesn't have the votes. Let's just, he just doesn't have the votes. If you can't get to 218, you don't get to be speaker. And he doesn't, he can't get to 218. So they've got to find somebody else. And ultimately, that's what Ken Buck was saying. Um, let's see here. What else do I have on here? I got the real fight about what's first rule of the house. Are they running valuable? Always uh, valuable time. Isn't this bad? Okay. Um, so I, I am, there's always the possibility of the last part. And I, been very upfront about concerns about Liz Cheney and others um, emerging with a uh, with a majority, or getting being able to get to 218. I'm pretty confident that the that there are that Republicans uh, will be able to come up with 218. One last quite one last thing I wasn't going to talk about, but Ro Khanna, uh, who's a Democrat from California, came up with uh, uh, he said, "Oh yeah, we can do a coalition government." Here was the conditions. Conditions were. Democrats would have to approve any subpoena. So you'd have to have joint issues of subpoenas. That killed all investigations into the Biden administration. All investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop kills everything because you won't be able to subpoena anything because Democrats won't sign off on it. So that was condition one. And condition two was um, that it, it was a, it, it dealt with the, uh, the debt ceiling and said, we just passed the debt ceiling, basically taking away one of the few, few must-pass pieces of legislation where you have leverage to actually get something done and put attachments onto it to get thing, something done to, in relationship to continuing to, our, to deal with our, to try to reduce our ever-expanding debt. That's pretty simple. That's what the Democrats' conditions are. We want to continue spending as much money as we want to, and we don't want to have any investigations. So any Republican who signs off on that quite honestly, isn't a Republican. So that's a, so just take that to the bank. I'm gonna answer any questions now. Um, let's see here, I got 36 comments. Um, and, I, and I'm not gonna talk, I'm not gonna talk about who I specifically, uh, a couple of people I think specifically have a chance um, to be, but let's see here. Um, um, boop, 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 boop. Republicans need to drain swamp and McCarthy is the deep swamp. Someone like Jim Jordan would make, you know, I'm going to tell a, a quick story. Back when conservatives were trying to find an alternative for Kevin McCarthy, um, Kevin McCarthy didn't have the votes. He kind of dropped out. Um, That's when we got stuck with Paul Ryan. I sat in a meeting uh, with a number of people, uh, probably eight of us. And it was, and, and Jim Jordan was there. There were a number of people you'd also recognize who were there. And, and as ALG president, I was in there because I know something about this. I've done, I've done this before. And in terms of speaker races and things like that. And 
Jim Jordan is truly a phenomenal person, but he doesn't want to be speaker. Okay, and the argument that we need somebody who doesn't want to be speaker to be speaker is wrong. Okay, as much as that may seem like a good thing, people know what their calling is. Jim Jordan's calling is not to be speaker, at least not at this time. His calling is to try to get go and uncover what's happened in the deep state and fix it. And he can do that as Judiciary Committee Chairman. He can't do that as Speaker. That's the truth. He knows what his calling is. He knows what he's supposed to do with his life for the next two years. And it isn't herd cats. It's to go after those who abuse their power at the Department of Justice and hold them accountable. And America needs that more than they need Jim Jordan as Speaker. So I'll just answer it that way. I love Jim Jordan. He'd be a great speaker. I think his calling as Judiciary Committee Chairman is much more important right now at this point in time. Um, let's see here. Um, why can the Republicans just say, screw the whole house and move forward with a speaker placement? They can't because they need 218 votes. Man, that's, that's why. Um, it's... The House, once again, the only rule of the House is 218. And by the way, the holdouts are right. So keep that. Um, that Lanny, that's exactly right. That's that's what I said. Um, I'm changing my status. And, and Teresa, I, I, let me tell you. One of the reasons why we have a challenge in this country is because primaries matter. Primaries matter. And if 20 more conservatives, hardcore conservatives, had gotten elected, which they could have, the establishment, one of the sticking points here is the establishment, deliberately submarine Republican nominees who were conservative like Neil Parrott and in what in Maryland District 6 who was in a conservative district and he lost because the person he's running with the incumbent is a multimillionaire who's able to spend millions of dollars and Parrott was denied money wasn't get wasn't didn't get money couldn't run a race and ended up personally in a lot of debt because he tried to because the dirty little seekers just like McConnell submarined uh, people who liked Trump from becoming in this becoming senators, Kevin McCarthy submarined through the National Republican Congressional, Congressional Committee and his own leadership act, submarined many, many, many conservatives who would have won tough districts and would have held those seats for a while. And he did that because he couldn't trust that they're going to vote for him. Now, ironically, the support that McCarthy gave to Lauren Boebert is being held against Lauren Boebert. And, you know, I, I remember the good old days when not being bought by campaign contributions was a virtue. But apparently in, in this particular thing, not being bought by campaign contributions is, a, is a, seen as being somehow wrong. Um, but that's your, you know, that's, uh, that's the answer. It, it's a, we need people to be in the Republican Party because we need to win primaries. Okay, so if you're concerned about, from a conservative perspective, about what's going on, the objective is to win primaries 
and then win general elections with people who get nominated and to put together the team to be able to win those general elections and not be dependent upon Kevin McCarthy's money. That's the answer. And that's what I'm working on personally to get to have happen. Um, let's see here. Okay, Teresa, Teresa Kelly, get off your asses, get to work on your dad to come job. Teresa, I answered that, but I will answer it again. This is their job. This is the most important vote that they're gonna have. There's no other vote that's gonna be more important because this, what they're doing now dictates what the future votes will be. And so this is their dadgum job. What's more, the members coming out of this are going to be far more sophisticated about the rules of the House and how the House runs than they would than they ever would have been by going through orientation ceremonies and sitting there and doing open houses for their, for their um, new offices and that kind of garbage, which is all that happens in the first week. And lastly, since the house only runs Tuesday through Thursday, if you want to make up two days, try working on Monday and Friday for a change. So no, this is uh, this is not this is doing their job. Teresa, I hate to disagree, but you're wrong. Um, Yeah, um, Carla, I, I'm, I'm going through these. There's a lot of good comments in here, but I want to keep this relatively short. Um, McCarthy needs to vacate, pack of 20 need to stay so we can get on with it. Thank God we have come to this in order to have America first. McCarthy's the only one holding us up. Now that, Carla, that's, the, that's an interesting point because ultimately Kevin McCarthy knew he didn't have the votes. He knew he didn't have the votes. And while they talk about people, you know, trying to do self-aggrandizing and all this and or gain power for themselves, the only person in this thing is trying to, who's actually trying to gain power for themselves is Kevin McCarthy. I'm, I'm going to use just one example that's been talked about, and I think Mark Levin talked about it, and that's why I'm going to respond to it. They, the 20 have asked that you, and obviously you're not going to get everything you ask for, and I don't think they expected to get this, but they asked that they have four seats on the Rules Committee. What that means is they would be able to make certain that the that you ended up keeping the rules um, of the House straight and you wouldn't be able to manipulate it. So votes were not, uh, that, that you would use the rules to make it so amendments wouldn't happen or amendments wouldn't really count. The, voter, the votes on those amendments wouldn't count. And the rules are used to manipulate the system all the time. Um, rules committee is designed to that. The, the majority party gets nine on the rules committee. The minority party gets four because the objective of rule, whereas the the splits on other committees is much is very close. Um, the splits are that way, so the majority can always the speaker can always win the rule that the speaker wants. That's the way it's set up. Nobody pays attention to it. Here's what's true about the rules committee. You can't raise money from the Rules Committee. It's thankless because you're having to tell a whole bunch of people no all the time on, on the how, things they want to have come up for amendments that aren't going to be allowed. It is the most thank, one of the most thankless jobs that you can have in Congress is being on the Rules Committee. It's, you're working behind the scenes. You're working midnight, 2 a.m., working on rules. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's roll up your sleeves work. Nobody gives you money on it, so you can't raise money. And you make everybody mad at you. 
so that's so that's the reality of being on rules committee. So when people start talking about oh people are trying to aggrandize themselves to be on rules committee, truth is that recommendation was put there because the rules committee controls what happens on the floor, and there has to be some way to hold the speaker accountable to make sure the what he says he will do he actually does in terms of allowing a more open process on the floor. Um, but in terms of that being a, a prime committee spot, there's no worse committee spot out there besides ethics committee. So those are the two worst, worst spots you can be rules because you have to work extraordinarily hard. It is and at all hours. And you're a beck and call of the speaker when they want to bring something up a majority leader want to bring something up you know you can get a call and say we're having a meeting at 2 a.m and you're pushing a and you're having to have an argument about rule at 2 a.m it's terrible work so that's just you know so just answering that it's a um and I, i'm i'm gonna now i'm, I'm just gonna lay, leave it at this you guys have been kind enough to give 30 minutes on this and i, I hope this helps explain some of the issues at stake I will tell you, I am confident that a Republican speaker will be, uh, that we will have a Republican speaker. Um, and because I think there's agreement that not having one would be a disaster. Um, so that's, and so that's where, where this all rubber meets the road on this. I know there's a lot of negotiations going on that people don't know about. Um, and there's been a lot of conversations back and forth. Um, both with Kevin McCarthy on how he can get the votes to 20 to get to the speaker and with other members of the House conference who are supporting McCarthy on uh, just throwing names back and forth on who could be a speaker other than McCarthy. And so those are those things are happening. Um, this is the process. People always say they want democracy. Well, representative government is messy. When representative government isn't messy, then it's autocratic because representative government means people who have different ideas represent different constituencies are battling for those constituencies, battling for their beliefs, battling for the opportunity to, to serve and to, and to meet their campaign promises. That's why it's messy. It's supposed to be messy. What you're watching is the messiness of a representative democracy that's attempting to work rather than just relying on the same old way of doing things because the same old way of doing things has failed. And with that, I'll, I'll wish you a great day. More will be happening at noon. I have no idea what's gonna happen, but it's. Uh, but this is a fight for the next two years. And in my estimation, it's a fight worth having. With that, take care and have a great, uh, have a great day.